Oh Lord, we welcome you in this place. Let's all stand. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord, thank you for the mercy that you poured out upon us. Thank you for your presence entering this place. Let your Holy Spirit come and minister to our minds and to our hearts. Thank you for the miracles that you're performing throughout the lives of the people in this congregation. Thank you for being that heavenly touch whenever we needed it. For Lord, you are an almighty God. There is none like you. We worship you because you are God. We, nothing more than mere humans. We've all fallen short the glory, Lord, that you have put before us. But through your mercy, you have forgiven us our trespasses, our debts. Lord, let us forgive those that trespass against us. For you are almighty. And though we may not understand your ways, let us always be obedient to follow you. Let us not be so prideful that we think we know it all. Let us not be so prideful, Lord, that we have to do it our way. But Lord, let us humble ourselves before your presence. Let your presence fill this temple, Lord. Let your presence fill this temple. Because without you, there's no reason to go on. Without you, there is no reason, Lord. And there's times when your presence just isn't here. Yes, Lord. But Lord, we welcome it now. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes. We ask for your presence now. Glory. To come into this place. Yes, Father. Yes. Lord, we ask that your presence guide the words that I speak. We ask that your presence touch the hearts of those that really need it, Lord. Hallelujah. Let them wake up yes. and realize yes, Holy yes. that what they're doing is not right. Thank you, Thank that their way will not work. It only leads to death. Glory. Eternal death. Yes. Let us find you, forgiveness yes, Lord. and mercy in your presence. Yes. Let us repent of all our sins, Lord. Not just ask forgiveness, but totally repent and never do them again. Guide us forward, Lord, as we chase after your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.
Glory to God this morning. Amen. Amen. I'm going to talk today about a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. Acts 13, verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Who will do all my will. It's an area that we fall short. I mean, we'll do the will of God if it agrees with our will. Amen. But if it doesn't, we want nothing to do with God. Because we're so much smarter, so much better educated. We've created our own thing. We've lived in our own little destiny. That's where you're going to die. God said, David, I found David. Amen. David was a man after God's own heart. What characteristics would qualify for such an exalted description? I mean, could God say that about you? I raised up, put your name in there. A man or a woman after my own heart who will do all my will? Can you replace David's name with yours? Paul the Apostle, when he was writing this, was speaking about God removing Saul and making David king. I mean, he removed Saul because Saul was very wishful. If the people of Israel wanted a certain thing, then that's what Saul did. If people wanted this, then Saul did that. If they disagreed and they started going this way and that way, Saul would change his mind. Like some of you change socks. There was just no telling what Saul was going to do. And you can't lead that way. You can't lead a nation. You can't lead a group of people. You just can't lead. So he says, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. But here's the thing. He will do everything I want him to do. Amen. Everything. My God. Hallelujah. David would do anything God asked him. Can we say that about ourselves? Can we say that about ourselves? 
God tells you he wants you to go on a seven-day fast, you're going to do it, or aren't you? God tells you he doesn't want you to watch television anymore, you've got to do it. God tells you he wants to walk across the parking lot on your hands. Amen. Yeah. If God tells you to do something, understand one thing. He will give you the power you need to do it. He will equip you to do it. He's not gonna He's not gonna set you out there to fail. Because whatever you're doing is going to bring God glory. Amen. Amen. I mean, David committed such terrible sins. I mean, he was an adulterer. He was a murderer. And yet, God said, he's a man after my own life. I mean, David's life was a it was a picture, it was a TV show of success and failure. One episode could be success, the next a failure. The next a success. I mean, he did his battles, he had his skirmishes, he had, he had his own people at one time want to stone him to death. He had his army so hungry at one time he had, he had to break into the temple and steal food. He hid out in caves. But he had a desire to do whatever God asked him to do. He had that desire. He had that characteristic. I mean, a lot of the Psalms that are written are written by David. He had absolute faith in God. Amen. I mean, in 1 Samuel 17, he goes up against Goliath. They say Goliath was about 13 feet tall. David may have been five foot six, five five. He was small. He went up with stones. He couldn't even wear Saul's armor because it was too heavy. Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. David was fully aware that God was with him in control of his life and would deliver him from danger. He had confidence in God. He knew that the end result would bring God glory and he would do it. So he went in there. It was his first and probably his most well-known accomplishment. I mean, people still talk about it today. David defeating Goliath with a sunshine with five rocks. He says, before he goes out to fight, he says this, this entire assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will hand it over to us. David gave God credit for every accomplishment in his life. 
Everything was God's. God got all the glory. Amen. The Lord is still looking for people today. Amen. He's still looking for those that are willing to be totally committed to him. That will do the will of God regardless of what it is. Those that will strive to please God at all times. At the baptism of Jesus Christ, God said, this is my beloved son, who am I well pleased. On the Mount Transfiguration, God said, this is my beloved son, who am I, who I am well pleased. He had no problem saying those things over Jesus, Amen. because Jesus would do the exact things that God asked. Jesus even said, hey, the Father doesn't tell me to do it. I don't do it. I only do what the Father says. Amen. There were other people in the Bible like that. Joseph is one. Daniel comes to mind. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Queen Esther. Mary, the mother of Jesus. The Bible, it records no blemishes on those people's lives. So why did God use David? David had definite blemishes. Adultery, liar, murderer. He sinned against God and he admitted it. He lusted after and committed adultery with another man's wife. And then he had her husband murdered to cover it up. And then he goes around and he takes a census that God tells him not to do. Yet God says he was still a man after my own heart. David had an attitude that a lot of us need to develop an attitude of penance. Now, I know people that have that. I know people, and you probably know some too, that when they've sinned and they've committed a sin, they feel so guilty. I mean, I have one friend, he committed a sin. I mean, he, he couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat. It just ate away at him. Until he got down on his knees and he not only begged God's forgiveness, but he repented of that sin. And he promised God he would never do it again. And then God restored him, but he chased after God's heart. Amen. And I know people like that. And I'm sure you do too. I mean, when David had the sin with Bathsheba, the prophet Nathan comes to him and tells him this story. He says, there was this very wealthy farmer who had many sheep and many livestock. And one of his hands had one sheep that had raised from a little, a little lamb. He treated it like a pet. Probably a lot of the way he had the sheep is the way a lot of people treat their animals today, their dogs or cats. But just that kind of relationship. And this very wealthy man 
gets a visitor one day, another wealthy man who he wants to impress. But rather than take an animal from his herd and slaughter it and cook it for the guy, he takes that one poor farmer's only sheep that he raised from a little one that he and his daughter had. And they just loved that little sheep. And the guy takes that and slaughters it and feeds his guests. Now David gets furious. David wants to go kill the guy. I'll go get him, I'll cut his head off. David is mad. Nathan looks at David and says, that man is you. That man is you. That brought David to his knees. David was truly repentant. Psalm 51 is, is a song, is a cry of David's forgiveness. Repentance. Listen, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your multitude of tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. And my sin is always before me. Against you. You only have I sinned. I have done evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. You can see the inner heart of David just working through that psalm. That he was truly repentant. He had that attitude that when he did wrong in God's sight, and there's a lot of things that are different in God's sight than the world. The world will accept things God will not. The world tolerates things God does not. Amen. So if you're God's, you have to understand there's a different value on your life. There's a different holding that you've got to you're held to. There's a different standard that you have to live by. If you live by the world's standards, you're not living according to God's standards because his are much more stringent. His are set up so that you not only glorify him, but that you live a good, healthy life. You know, if sin had entered the world, when it did, I mean, we were designed not to die. Amen. I mean, you'd be sitting next to somebody and say, geez, Reese, you look good for 100 and, or 2,015 years old. And she could say, yeah, you look good for 2,050. You know, but sin would have the world sooner or later. But we were designed not to die. Sin brought death in. So the Lord is still looking for those. Amen. Those people with that same heart as David. 
Yes, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We know that. We're all sinners. But do we have that heart of repentance? Does the sin tear us? Does our sin bring us to our knees? Where we're telling God, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. I mean, 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. See, understand, God knows your heart. Amen. God knows your thoughts. Yes. He knows if you're standing before God going, I'm never going to do that again, God. I mean, I did that many times. Lord, I'm not going to I'm not going to drink anymore. Just get rid of this hangover. <laughs> he knew I was lying. But he didn't get rid of the hangover. But when he knew I truly repented and wanted to turn and serve him, he made the adjustments. He took care of it then. We can become people after God's own heart. Amen. We can put our name in that scripture. Lord. In Acts, we can just change it to read your name. Amen. We used to have this scripture on the back wall. It said, if my people who are called by my name, that's you, his people, will humble themselves and pray. There's one obstacle right there, humble. Something Americans don't really like to do because we think we know it all. It says, we'll humble ourselves and pray. And then he says, if they'll seek my face, they'll seek his face. Sometimes we just pray to kind of get things off our conscience. But we're not really seeking God's face. We're not really trying to dive into his presence. We're just, again, just letting it flow off our lips. It says then, if they turn from their wicked ways, wicked ways, everything that is not God or God's way is wicked. Just plain wicked. Whether the world accepts it or not, it is wicked in the eyes of the Lord. It says that God says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I mean, how many of us could use our land healed? Could use that kind of restoration in our lives. God's looking for people who would genuinely repent and serve him. Amen. I was reading a devotional the other day, and I found this. It says, several years ago, a huge tree in Colorado fell. 
to the ground and it made a resounding crash. It said this tree stood on this hill for more than 400 years. It was nothing more than a little sapling when Columbus came. It had been struck by lightning 14 times. It had braved the great wilderness windstorms. It had defiled an earthquake. But in the end, it was killed by some little beetles because they bore under the bark and they chewed away at its fiber until one day it just fell. And that's how sin enters our life. It comes in small, it just gets under there and it just starts eating away at you and eating away at you until one day you just fall then the enemy's got you. Some things that seem insignificant, not substantial sins, just little ones, but they add up. Maybe we omit some prayer time from our life. Maybe we stop reading the word of God some days. Maybe we go out and indulge in some worldly pleasure. That's enough to let those little beetles in and let them begin to eat away at you. David also had one thing that some people have and some don't, an attitude of worship. They would love to worship. You know, he says, put on their garment of praise. If you remember, when he brought in the Ark of the Covenant, he took off his kingly robe, put on an ephod, and danced around like he was the priest. His wife was so hung up in the world, she could only see David as king. She did not see David as a priest. And she cried out that he was naked because he took off his worldly authority and just became a worshiper of God. Hallelujah. Worship is an extreme form of love. Glory. Yes, Lord. It is an extreme form of love. Jesus. It's an extreme form of devotion. Yes, if you worship God, then you love God. You love him so much that you'll never question him at all. Hallelujah. If God tells you to do something, yes. there's an old saying, if God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. God is constantly wanting to grow his people. He has plans for each and every one of you. Just like he had plans for David, he raised David up as a king. Hallelujah. David was a great king. He was a worshiper. Sometimes we get caught up in worshiping the wrong things. We worship people. We worship things. 
is the only thing worth Amen. the fortune. God is only worth it. Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5. Some of you will recognize this right off the bat. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forgive not all his forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things? so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. Amen. David loved to worship God. Psalm 117 says, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people of the earth. For his unfailing love for us is powerful, and the Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord. He is worthy of your praise. He is worthy of your honor. He is worthy of you. When we worship, we express our adoration and our appreciation for God's character and God's attributes. You hear that in the songs that they sang this morning. They sang about him being a, a living hope. They sang about his presence being just like heaven. You know, we're to bring heaven here on earth. That's our job. We're to make this place just like heaven. Psalm 22, verse 23 says, You who fear the Lord, praise him. Amen. All your descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all you offspring of Israel. Our purpose is to exalt God. You were designed, you were created to worship God. That's why you exist. That's the only reason you exist. Psalm 9-11. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. I mean, the songs that the worship team sings on Sunday, they bring forth all this fruit. They bring forth all this. All these attitudes towards God. All this love, all this adoration. In Hebrews 13, it says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Amen. That's from Matthew. Amen. Let your light shine before men Glory. 
before your neighbors. Let your light shine. Amen. You're the light of the world. There's no little dimmer switch on you guys. You know, you can't just dim it down. God wants you bright. Amen. He wants you bright. Glory. I mean, David's life, as a boy, as a boy, the family didn't really like him a lot. I mean, they sent him out to, here, go sit and watch these sheep. You know, and then David would say, oh, I killed the lion with my bare hands. I killed the bear with my bare hands. His brothers never believed that. But before he went before Goliath, he reminded them, God delivered me when I killed the lion. God delivered me when I killed the bear. All of a sudden, that became very important. Because all of a sudden they got to see David in another light. I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do my will. Amen. I mean, David always looked to serve God. Amen. He always looked to serve man. I mean, with his army, when he when they came back, when he got tricked, and he came back to Ziklag and saw his wife and the kids of all his men hauled off and held captive. And the men wanted to stone him. David said, no, we're going to go get him. We're going to go get him back. And he prayed to God. He said, God, if this be the will, I'll go get him. And God said, go. I will be with you. Amen. Just like God told Moses when he said, I'm not going to lead these people out of Egypt if you're not going. This is the same thing you need to say to God. God, you want me to do that? Amen. Then you come with me. Because yes, yes. I'm not going without you. I won't even get in my car unless God comes. Amen. I need his help driving. Amen. You that have ridden with me know God's there. Amen. Which? In Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He gave his life for the ransom of most. That's how you know if you're good, if you're worthy of God's call, because you become a servant. Amen. A servant. Let his mind be with you. Paul writes in Philippians, which is also in Christ Jesus, whose being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming into the likeness of men. God is looking for people who will serve. Amen. God is looking for people who will do 
his will. Amen. He's looking for people after his own heart. Amen. This is who Jesus wants. This is who God wants. God wants to look down and he wants to say every one of your names. Amen. I chose so-and-so, a person after my own heart. Amen. He wants to say that about all of So David had a repentant character. He had a character of worship. And he had a character of service. Amen. He served. Amen. If we could only be people after God's own heart. Amen. If we could get that attitude of repentance built into us, that attitude of worship, that attitude of service. How wonderful it would be to those of us who receive the gospel of the kingdom we become citizens of heaven we're free of this bondage of the world Amen. we must follow our heavenly father's code of conduct and be his sojourners on earth we need not conform to the world's habits values and lifestyle. This is not our home. Amen. Our home is in heaven. Amen. Jesus said in the scriptures, my kingdom is not of this world. Amen. So although we must live here until God calls us home, Amen. we are not to live for ourselves or according to this world's value system. To those who have been brought by the bought by the blood of Jesus and have been given the right to live according to God's value system, citizens of the kingdom of God, live here on assignment from your father, the king, Amen. living with the kingdom mindset that empowers us to make wiser decisions as we invest our lives in furthering the gospel of the kingdom of God. This is why we're here. Amen. This is our job. To get a mindset of Christ. To go after Jesus with everything we got. Amen. One of that. From the time Jesus began to preach, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Those were the first words out of his mouth. His first sermon, repent. Then John tells us we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. So we know we have to repent. We know we have to worship him in spirit and truth. And then Joshua says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can you say amen? Let's stand. Let's say Let's stand. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Let's give God some glory. Oh, Lord, we just, we just come before you this morning. We surrender it all to you, Lord. 